Johnny Cage, Kenobu, Kang, Raiden, Scorpion, Sonya Blade, Sub-Zero, Goro, Shang, Zora, Tabaraka, J-Jack, Kintaro, Kitana, Kung Lao, Merlini, Nanook, Sebat, Stout, Shao Kahn, Fun, Chameleon, Cyrax, Ermac, Kabo, Motaro, Nightwolf, Insector, Sheep, The Sindel, Striker, Fu, Jin, Quan, Shi, Shin, Oxo, Mina, Jerick, Kaimi, Reiko, Tanya, Tremor, Blade, Doracho, Dramin, Frosty's now, Tenkenji, Mavado, Mocap, Moloch, Katara, Ashra, Dairo, Darius, Havoc, Kotaru, Kira, Koma, Onaga, Shijinko, Tegante, Vandavora, Cassie, Cage, Aaron, Black, Ferrator, Jackie, Briggs, Kotokan, Gungeon, Takeda, Tribe, Dwarf, Cetrion, Scarlet, Gareth, Collector, Chronica, Welcome to Mortal Podcast. I am your host, Ben Meckler, and today I have, for the first time in the show's three-episode history, two guests, Detective Pikachu writers Dan Hernandez and Benji Samet. Hello, guys. Hello. What's up? Uh, so we talked about this a little bit before the podcast, but Dan, you have played a lot of Mortal Kombat, and Benji, you... Have played some. Have played some Mortal Kombat. Yes. yes. Okay, cool. And how would you say... Dan, I'm... I'm assuming if you played a lot, you're very familiar with the lore. The MK, like like all the best, like sort of sprawling universes that maybe don't actually deserve the amount of lore that they have, like mm-hmm. Saw, or oh like man, the I Resident- could talk for hours about <laughs> Saw too. The, the Resident <laughs> Evil series, it, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, I yeah. feel like the the baroque intricacies of the Mortal Kombat universe has over time become one of my favorite things about it. So I'm pretty I'm yeah. pretty pumped up about this. So let's let's jump in and let's start talking about Johnny Cage. He's a character that appeared in the very first Mortal Kombat game and do you guys know the the history of, of why Johnny Cage is one of the characters they designed in their ninja and magic and monster fighting game why they like threw a pretty straightforward action guy in I, there. I, I am familiar with this, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But like so I, I read a pretty interesting oral history of Mortal Kombat from the... I forget which which outlet it was in, but I think it was that they were trying to get Van Damme to actually be yeah. a, you know, a mocap fighter in mm-hmm. the game. And, and like, they failed. Yeah. Mid- and- <laughs> <laughs> well, Midway Games, I think... Story, I've heard this about a couple of different movies, but most consistently that they were trying to do a Universal Soldier fighting game that was going to have, yeah, mocap. And they tried to get Jean-Claude Van Damme. It just didn't work out so the creators of that project turned around and said like well we wanted to do like a ninja fighting game let's just do that and pretty early on started putting all this like crazy lore together like from the very beginning the story was like a huge part of the game and then as sort of a joke really they wanted to have a John claude van damme-esque figure in the game and that's how they wound up having you know a ninja with ice powers named sub-zero a thunder god named raiden and then just a dude named john, john carlton from venice beach who goes by the name of johnny cage the most intimidating <laughs> backstory of all yeah um it's very funny how they integrated his story like it's i just think it's such a great story the just being that like in the very first mortal Kombat game johnny cage was this huge action star uh he was the king of blockbuster movies but his career was starting to wane because he'd been accused of using uh, visual effects to kind of zhuzh up his martial arts in his mm-hmm. movies 
And he caught wind that there was going to be this fighting tournament uh, at a place called Shang Tsung's Island. <laughs> and he was like, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm a real martial artist. Like, I'm just as passionate about that as I am about acting. I'm going to hop on a boat by myself. I'm going to take it to Shang Tsung's Island. And I'm going to just fight people when I get there. And not just fight them. Kill them. Yeah. Well, he didn't, <laughs> he doesn't really know, that. know. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't know the full extent of what was going on on he the island. He didn't have a full comprehension. Can, can we pull back for a second? Yeah. So what you just said is very interesting because that backstory would be absurd now if if you were like, you know, I, I, I don't know, Jason Statham mm-hmm. questions. People are questioning whether he uses visual effects on his movies. <laughs> so he's going to enter like a martial arts contest like that, you know, like that there is a certain level of like our 80s stars had a level of authenticity in their in their sort of own martial arts prowess Mm -hmm. that that backstory made sense. And I was thinking about it. They haven't really made a movie like Bloodsport in years. Well, they have, but it's all been like the direct-to-video like action movies. Well, okay. But not not, in the sense of like a huge, wildly popular, yeah. Like a wildly popular fighting like contest type, you know, and I feel like in the eighties there were quite a few. There was Best of the Best. There was Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. A little later there was, you know, the nineties. I think there was the the Quest. I think was a, a Van Damme. Oh, Quest is a great one. You know, a great one. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I'm forgetting. Yeah, you know, yeah. A Roadhouse, even you know, or yeah, I don't know. I feel like this was like a subgenre that was like fairly. Yeah, it does feel like, It does feel like when there are martial arts movies. That are that are huge here now. They're usually crossover movies from somewhere else, like The Raid. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the one that is yeah. the last one I can really think of as like a true martial arts movie. Or like before that, what was it? Uh, the Tony Jaa movie. Uh, oh, The Protector Prote- or, or Ong Bak. Ong Bak. You know, yeah. it was like we're gonna watch how Tony Jaa knees people to death yeah. in the face for two hours, and yeah. that was sort of the point of it. But. since that time like you know it's like they're much more sparse and so it's interesting to me that in order to have a character that can even like be a parody they had to be so popular that Mm -hmm. everyone would sort of understand oh johnny cage is is is, you know a riff on that thing yeah and they they really leaned like they didn't shy away from it they 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 came up with a narrative reason that they were going to have this like absurd comedic character which is kind of great i mean (laughs) From the very beginning, no one is asking for them to explain why he was there, and they really went for it. <laughs> okay, so like I think I, you know, it's important to remember the 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 setting mm-hmm. of when because I remember Johnny Cage was the first fatality that I saw. I saw his fatality performed first. Yep, in an arcade, you know, at the Carl Square Mall, actually the Carl Springs Mall. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, for you listeners at home, Dan and I uh, are from the same hometown, uh, Coral Springs, Florida. That's right. And I assume I played Mortal Kombat primarily at Bigfoot's arcade. I, I, I put in my time at Bigfoot's. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I put in my time. But before Bigfoot's, there was an arcade at the Coral Springs Mall before yeah, it closed. Yeah, the one, the one that became a middle school. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so at a certain point in time, every store in this mall had closed except the arcade. And so... You could go and, you know, like I would, I would stay there for hours and hours and hours. And at the time, what, what is the exact date that Mortal Kombat 1 came out? Doing it? Like what, it was 1992. 1992. Yeah. So let's go back to 1992. Just prior to this, Street Fighter 2 has come out. 
It has set the world on fire. It's the top game. It's the one that people are lining up for. You would used to take your token, and if you wanted a, 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 the next game, you'd put it on the little edge to sort of signify, like, I'm next. I've got next. And it was, you know, there were, like, all these rituals of arcade going. The magnitude of, of the impact that Mortal Kombat had at that time for someone... So I was not 10. I was 9 or 10 mm-hmm. when Mortal Kombat came out. The, the, the impact was so great. It really felt like the world was opening up and that you were seeing something that that was was basically should have been illegal. Oh, it yeah. felt like it was illegal and like you were going to get in big trouble for even <laughs> looking at it. Um, you know, Johnny Cage punches off a guy's head. That's his fatality in, yep. the, in the uppercut. I mean, that's a, right I up. believe that's a forward, 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 high punch. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a forward, 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 high punch. Uh, going into this, 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 <laughs> This fatality. So I really like, I need you all listening to understand that almost, I don't know, it was like Babe Ruth calling his shot or something that like, even the narrator is going fatality, you know, that yeah, it's really, yeah. he's really like, we just saw it. We know he's dead, but, but somehow saying it made it so much more impactful and cool and, yeah. and, and sort of like viscerally disgusting. And so for a young Hernandez, <laughs> I dedicated my life to Mortal Kombat 1. I truly did. I, 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 I placed in like tournaments. Oh, my God. I, I really like <laughs> went all in. At one point, you know, I remember waiting for the Sega Genesis version of this game to come out. Why? Oh, because yeah. Sega Genesis had the blood code. Right. Mm-hmm. The Super Nintendo version was the watered down. Yeah, they made it. They made the blood blue, so it looked like it was sweat that was flying off of everybody. And it was. Yeah. It, it felt insulting, even to like a kid. <laughs> you know, it was like, no, no, like the curtain's already been pulled back on this. <laughs> you can't put this <laughs> genie back in the bottle. Don't put this genie back in the bottle. <laughs> it was such a huge deal. Mortal Monday. Oh yeah. Do you know was about that when Mortal the second Monday? one came out? Mortal Monday. No, that no, was no. when the home console when the home console of the game came out. We're coming out. Yeah. It was called Mortal Monday. And they advertised Mortal Monday in Marvel Comics. And so if you get Marvel Comics of this era, there's a very famous I don't know if you can add uh, extra media to when this podcast goes up or when you tweet it out. Oh yeah. But there's I'll just do seventy five tweets with like uh, visual aids. There's a <laughs> picture of all of these like kids and people, like it's like a huge like mob of people. And it says like Mortal Monday is coming or something is like I might oh even be God. with a K. And it was so like you got so amped up. It was like <laughs> I don't know I don't know what to do with myself until Mortal yeah, Monday. Yeah, you wanted to be cryogenically frozen. Uh, like a victim of, say, Sub-Zero. So, yeah, for instance. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I read recently, a friend of mine who is a, a biochemist, shout out to Dr. to Dr. Miklos, sent me an article that's that was actually about Pokemon for, because of this movie we wrote, which was essentially like, scientists have identified a part of your brain that if you start to interact with something at a young age, it, it like lives in a certain part of your brain, which might explain why people who grew up with Pokemon when they see the Pokemon are so like filled with feeling like good goodwill. Oh my god. I, I know, and it's really crazy that this could be true. Um I think it's the same thing for me in Mortal Kombat, which yeah. is like I see these characters, I hear 
the, the music and the media and dopamine rush. It's like a media like, dopamine yeah, rush. Every time you see someone's head get punched off, <laughs> you just, you just, just feel good inside. Dan has witnessed many atrocities and he loved it every it single takes time. Me, it it's just takes feeling. me back yeah. when he sees blood spray. It takes me back. It takes me back. It takes Something me about back. that arterial spray just reminds me of my childhood. Anyway, sorry, sorry to, sorry to, not at all. I mean, but I really think it's important because one of the reasons I got so excited when you did the podcast is because. I do think that it's not just, oh, this is a, you know, a funny sort of interesting thing that there actually was Mortal Kombat to me is one of those identifiably like we're going into a new era, a new era of media, Mm -hmm. a new way of consuming media, a new way of advertising Mm -hmm. things. And I, and I, at least for me, I look back on the, on that moment in time very specifically as the first time I became aware of like a media campaign. What does that mean? Like, oh, yeah. like how can You're I? Like, this is advertising, and it's for me. Yeah, right. It really, yeah. it really did sure. feel that way. And yeah. so, anyway, I think it's important to try try to imagine that at the genesis of yeah. this, not to uh, genesis. No, I mean that's really interesting because I came at it from such a different place. Because just being a few years younger, I by the time I was you know able to walk into an arcade and even reach the joysticks mortal kombat felt like such an institution mm. i think the second mm-hmm. or third game had come out by the time i was like really going to arcades but it was just as impactful for me like it it did feel like oh i'm i'm not supposed to be looking at this i'm not supposed to know this but i for whatever reason the the gore i always thought was like cool but it really was like the characters in the story like it was just a soap opera to me it was like the soap opera that i've tracked my whole life. <laughs> well, it's interesting what you said. I mean, something that Benji and I have been talking about lately is it's hard to make characters that people actually care about. Yeah. You know, it's hard to... And on some level, you know, we were talking about this with Pokemon, which is like, they've done an incredible job of like really dis- like really putting thought and care into crafting these characters. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting that there is something about injecting a little bit of lore into something that really, you know, you could, it would still be a good game without the lore. Yeah. But the lore makes it more provocative. You know, it makes it more like something that you want to unpack and disc and, and sort of spend time with and, and kind of fig you know, and sort of at the time it's hard to separate sometimes like what I know now from what we knew then, mm-hmm. which is like, you know what? What is this Goro guy like? What like, like? Why is this all happening? Kano's a mercenary, and he like they did a smart thing of like making internal rivalries. They did, you know what yeah, I mean? Everyone like, kind of has personal relationships with other characters in the game, specific ones. And then the other thing that I think was really significant that made a huge difference is that every character in Mortal Kombat, like versus something like Street Fighter, where people are competing to see who the best fighter is. The story of Mortal Kombat isn't really about who's going to win this tournament and be the best fighter everyone has something very specific and personal that they want we talked Mm -hmm. about raiden on the show who like yo he has a job it's protecting humanity's protecting earth he's fighting in this fighting tournament but it's because that's how he protects people and he's in doing so has like made friends and made relationships and we talked about sub-zero in the last episode where his whole thing is like he's just following the rules following instructions but he winds up by the time he gets to the first Mortal Kombat tournament in this existential crisis where he's like, am I a good guy? Am I a bad guy? Like, should I start reconsidering my actions? So everyone in the game has a more human and, like, relatable story, which I think is cool and makes all the difference, like, when you compare it to other contemporary games at the same time. 
And I think that's beyond even having lore. I think Pokemon kind of does a similar thing. Like they're all rooted in an emotion that's very mm-hmm. relatable and on like a base elemental, like worldwide level. And I think that is definitely like one of the most important things when it comes to creating a character someone's going to care about is giving them an emotional drive that even if you haven't felt it yourself, you can recognize. Yeah, I think that's yeah. exactly. I mean, Benji, what was your experience, Kurt? Because we're about, you know, you're a little younger than me, but only a few months, like. <laughs> acting like I'm a child for a few months uh, Benji as a young man you know it was just so different uh, it was so different like Blue Dabadee was what charting I, and you first heard of this Mortal Kombat thing what I mean to say is you you I, like I think you would agree that you're not as like much of a gamer as I am mm-hmm. but take us back to the social moment when Mortal Kombat came out like no, I mean it was everything you said. It was oh my god, there's blood, there's it's this is visceral, you know, every other fighting game at the time, you know, it was just like KO, knockout, like you just mm-hmm. this one you were killing people. It wasn't <laughs> enough. Right. Yeah, you had to brutalize them. Right. And so and then we were I mean it was right when we were at like prime sleepover age that like the Genesis game came like that was That's a great point. That was the the centerpiece of every sleepover party was like pizza and Mortal Kombat. And yeah, so like, you know, I I think I was not as aware of the lore itself Mm -hmm. because so much of my experience with Mortal Kombat was just, you know, the multiplayer mode, not story mode. Sure. Um, But, you know, over time, you start to pick. I think my first introduction to the story was probably the movie. Mm-hmm. Right. 95. Mm-hmm. Right. Holds up. Well, I actually think, you know, we've been th- we've been asked a lot of late about, well, is Pokemon going to break the video game curse? Mm-hmm. This, like, sort of, man- in my opinion, sort of a made-up bar that's right. been set. And, 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 you know, if you were to ask me in 1995, I would have said, the what video game curse? The most perfect film ever made has just <laughs> come out, and it's called Mortal Kombat. Yeah. And Johnny Cage being a huge, you know, arguably like, you know, probably the second most important character yeah. in that movie. Well, that so that brings me to, to jump back into yeah. Johnny's story. Something that the movie pulled out of the first game that I think is one of like the strongest things about it is that, so, you know, you have this action star, he's hopping on a boat, he's going to go to this island called Shang Tsung's Island, he's going to enter this fighting tournament. He doesn't even make it to the island before his boat gets attacked by a bunch of mercenaries. It's this group called the uh, the Black Dragon. Um, they're led by this guy, Kano, uh, who's got a laser eye. And Johnny gets saved before he even gets to the island by Liu Kang, um, this Shaolin warrior who's supposed to go and win the tournament. He's supposed to be the chosen one. He's just on his way there and sees Johnny getting attacked and jumps in and like saves him. And uh, at the same time, Sonya Blade, uh, who leads this government group, military group called the Special Forces, which are kind of like if the X-Files were a military unit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, she jumps in and helps save Johnny as well. And now you've got this sort of trio of heroes who become friends before they even get to the island. Right. Just going in with a strong alliance. Yeah. Yeah. And they did that in the in a slightly different way, but those three characters were front and center in the movie mm-hmm. and were like the central relationship you were tracking. And they all come from such wildly different places that you already have like a great like buddy comedy dynamic before you even 
get into the like wild fantasy world. I think that that's a really good point in the sense that I think it, what's exciting a lot of times in fighting games is when everyone is coming from a different background, and mm. so they're they're sort of their costumes and their f- moves and the way that they, you know, present are are all very distinct. But I think that Mortal Kombat even took it to the next level mm-hmm. of, you know, each of them has an individual fatality, yeah, which you know, in a strange way, sort of seemed to give some perspective on their like sort of interior mm-hmm. you know like like scorpion has his like like he's a skeleton so he uses his like you know flame breath that seemed to be like oh you, you said that you took it so for granted that skeletons come with flame breath he's got supernatural so it seems to, it seems to point to like the the heart or, or of his you know, sort of dramatic struggle, which yeah, is that he's yeah. dead. It's cool because they, the other thing that Mortal Kombat does so well is it doesn't, no one stays a cartoon character for long. Like even in the very first game, Johnny's whole story is that he comes in as this like cocky actor with something to prove. He makes these friends. He gets to the island and is like, I'm sorry, you want me to do what to people? I have to k- k- kill kill them? He finds all these monsters. Uh, a god descends from the heavens and is like, hey, I'm Raiden. Um, do I need to explain what a Mortal Kombat tournament is to you? And Johnny's like, yeah. And so he has this like total crazy awakening. He realizes that like the fate of the earth is on the line. And he, even in the first game, like he stays cocky and he stays, um, you know, this caricature of a Hollywood actor, but he evolves. He realizes what the stakes are. He steps up. And by the end of the first Mortal Kombat tournament, when Liu Kang is fighting Shang Tsung, Johnny and Sonya like work together and fight Goro and so he was like an integral part, even in the first game, of like stopping Earth from getting destroyed. And of course, Liu Kang beat Shang Tsung. Yes. The islands crumbling and falling apart. And uh, Johnny looks up, and Sonya's gone. And Raiden manages to whisk Johnny away. And so they kind of left his story after the first tournament, like on a cliffhanger, like, oh, he was kind of start. You could tell that he was like flirty with Sonya. Mm-hmm. Um, and now she's been kidnapped. He doesn't know what's going on. And then. Second game comes out. Johnny uh, winds up meeting up with Sonya's partner, Jackson Briggs. Jax. Mm-hmm. Jax. And he immediately interrogates Johnny. He's like waterboarding him. He's like, what do you know? Where's Sonya? <laughs> and Johnny Cage is like, I was on an island with her and we fought monsters. And Jax's like, what the hell are you talking about? That's insane. I, I'm just going to say, I believe that Mortal Kombat 2, for me, mm-hmm. is, I'm not sure it's ever been surpassed. As, wow. as a as a fighting game experience the balance the the <laughs> the the character selection that like the you know the expansion yeah. of the roster the look the mood the vibe um just to texture this a little bit more something that happened <laughs> there are tears streaming out of dan's eyes <laughs> no, i, I really this weeping. is important to talk about this is it important is, to talk is. about because where else the choir. where else what you need to understand is that between Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 on the schoolyard in the you know on the playground in the streets in the streets rumors in your own homes. rumors began to form about secret things oh yeah in Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. secret like like 
like you know, I, I remember hearing someone be like, and if you and if you enter the right combination of things, like Johnny Cage kills someone with his penis. <laughs> what? Yes, you would hear these. You would hear these bizarre, and it'd be like, "What?" The it, mean like, streets of Coral Springs. Did, I don't, did that happen in L.A.? Like, did like I, like? Do you remember this? I don't remember that. No. Nobody no, talked about Johnny Cage. It was you. You started the rumor. I, I don't I, believe you. I mean, I remember like the rumors of like all the different codes and like silly Hidden shit that you could unlock. And, yeah. yeah. Well, Which but, wound up mostly the hidden characters and a lot of the codes that unlocked like silly things wound up being true. True. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And that's and no, that's, there were so many Easter eggs in those first games. Yeah. Like so, and that's such a fascinating thing. Also, is mm-hmm. like that really, you know, just like the the reputation that this thing began to take on was like nothing seemed insane. Yeah. Nothing. Well, they kept nothing. proving their own audience. Right. Like it is coming back to me that there, the, I don't know if it was the penis thing, but like, <laughs> no, but in the, it's because there was like the same way that you could have like the babalities. Yeah. yeah uh, where you would uh, make someone into a baby instead right. of fatality. Uh, there was definitely rumors of like, obscene sexual right there were rumors there were all these rumors and it all seemed plausible Mm -hmm. sure it all seemed completely plausible based on the fact that the first game was so extreme that parents and like government officials were so uptight about it yeah so that by the time Mortal Kombat 2 came out it was like Anything, literally anything could happen. When you come out the gate with a game that's like, we got a military lady and a kung fu guy. We got ninja who has ice hand. There's a dragon also. Uh, <laughs> a shapeshifter. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. you pretty much have opened up the floodgates. to any, I guess anything could be in this game. And the fact that it makes sense at all as a coherent story the, is insane. The, the fact that more common one is like, well, remember, like you can only do this when the witch flies across the moon in oh, yeah. order to. Do you remember that? Yeah. You know, like they're like to get to reptile, I believe it was. Yeah, which is awesome because all those hidden characters, which were kind of put into the game mostly initially as like gags, because they were able to just palette swap colors and be like, "Hey, you can be a green ninja." Um, all that stuff eventually became characters that have like decades of of story <laughs> and like narrative, and it's fan service done correctly because the fans were saying what they wanted to be true and the studio was sort of responding and putting things into the game uh but then legitimizing it in a way that turned it into real story they listened to the fans and instead of just regurgitating exactly what people were asking for they found ways to work it into mm-hmm. their very ambitious like world building and mythology exactly yeah exactly um so to continue johnny's story mortal Kombat 2 gets interrogated by Jax, asking where Sonya is. He tells Jax everything that happened in the first Mortal Kombat. Jax's like, that's insane, John. He's like, all right, I'm going to go back to like shooting commercials. By the way, this is a guy with like cyborg arms being mm-hmm. very like, no, that's too crazy. That's nonsense. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so uh, Johnny just like fucks off. He goes back to making movies. He makes a movie called Mortal Kombat uh, about the Mortal Kombat tournament. And I think he's on like a commercial set around the time that Jax gets like a video transmission from Sonya where she's saying, like, I'm in Outworld, I'm in this other dimension of being held prisoner. And so he goes to meet up with Johnny on set to say, like, hey, so you were right. We've got to figure out how to help Sonya. And as he's doing that, all of a sudden, uh, Shang Tsung, who has been restored to his youth uh, by his boss, Emperor Shao Kahn of Outworld, he barges onto the set (laughs) um, (laughs) with a bunch of warriors from Outworld and just attacks Jax and attacks Johnny 
Um, the two of them team up and fight back, and that's when Raiden shows up and helps them. Shang Tsung and Raiden face off, and Shang Tsung says, Hey, um, I am actually originally from Earthrealm, so I'm allowed to kind of go between the worlds, and I'm going to keep attacking people here unless you agree to do a do-over tournament. But this time it's on our turf. It's an outworld. Raiden's like, uh, that's like totally against the rules, but... uh." Yeah, sure, whatever. I mean, you're just going to keep killing people if I don't do this, so fine. So, so um, they do have a second tournament, and Johnny's like, yeah, I guess this is kind of what I do now. I feel a responsibility <laughs> to help. I'm sure part of him was like, I want to help Sonya. So he goes to Outworld, fights in this tournament, and um, Liu Kang, of course, beat Shao Kahn, and uh, they successfully saved Earthrealm from being invaded again. And yet again, Johnny Cage, this movie star, helped to defend the entire dimension from being destroyed. Uh, two, two, two thoughts on that. Yeah. First thought, they really do Johnny Cage dirty in the second Mortal Kombat they do. movie. And I remember being so excited because the second movie follows a similar... It's not exactly the same story, but they do yeah. end up in Outworld, and they, they do. you know, like it, right at the beginning, and he gets murdered within five minutes of the movie, starting. which really messed me up as a kid. It, I was like, you can just do that. It messed me right. up as a kid as well. But also, Mortal Kombat Two was one of the first movies I remember seeing and going like, oh, this is like bad. Yes, like they did a bad job. Mm-hmm. I I d- distinctly remember my grandpa took me to see Mortal Kombat Two and was pretty clearly mad <laughs> i dragged him to it <laughs> well my dad took me to see it and he loves fight i mean he likes fighting movies his criticism of alien ver- he likes anything with like like b movies yeah his criticism of alien versus predator is that there should be no humans in it mm. and it should only have subtitles so this is the perspective of this man well your dad rules he does rule <laughs> but he was very i remember even he was disappointed yeah. by mortal kombat 2 there was no way around it so that's one thought. The second thought is Mortal Kombat 2 is also the place where the the possibilities of the kinds of characters and storylines in this world really expand. Going to Outworld, meeting Katana, meeting Baraka, meeting Milena, you know, like these yeah. are these are all like un- putting reptile on the you know, these are all creatures that sort of are unique to this mythology. Yeah, they I would started say. they started adding creatures and characters that couldn't exist outside yes of mortal Kombat, which was awesome that was just a really smart decision on the part of midway and the and the designers to to i mean the fact that like the sequel not only was better than the first one but expanded the lore and the possibilities to the extent that i really think it's that second one that makes the future franchise come mm-hmm. to life and really makes it viable going forward. Well, that's it. Yeah. So I agree that it was really that, that was like a huge expansion, but for me it was mortal Kombat three where mm-hmm. I fully understood like the scope of what the world of this game could be. Cause basically what happens in the story of that game is that, you know, Johnny goes and he fights in the second tournament. He comes back to earth and everyone thinks it's kind of over. And then Shao Kahn upset that he's been stunted on twice. Now enacts this insane plan where through lots of machinations, he is able to just say, screw it and barge into Earthrealm and invade. So the whole backdrop of the third game is that D 
demons and dragons and monsters and uh, centaurs are pouring into major cities around the world <laughs> um, and just like attacking people in the streets. There are these death squads sent out, and um, that was the one where I was like, okay, this is really cool. The fighting tournament aspect was like a fine framework for me to understand it, but when it expanded outside of being a fighting tournament and just being like, here's a story, here's a setting, and here's all the different players, and that's when they started adding like cyborgs and things were like, you know, you understand monsters and people fighting them, but once it gets to like cyborgs, you're like, oh, this is... In addition to that, there's sci-fi. Ninja and, cyborgs. Yeah, ninja Ninjas whose souls have been rendered from their body and, uh, and their consciousness has been ported into obedient cyborgs. But um, from Johnny's perspective, that invasion occurs. Uh, and the third game is, is, I think, where the games kind of did Johnny dirty and probably where the second movie had gotten its concept because Johnny actually dies really early in the narrative of the third game when the invasion happens Shao Kahn sends out a death squad led by his general Motaro who is a centaur Mm -hmm. uh, of the centaurian race Um, and Johnny is straight up killed by the centaur and the only reason that Johnny Cage is not cut out of the mythology of the games from that point is that as his soul is ascending to heaven he finds out that the gates of heaven are pretty much like the afterlife is just closed right now because the realms are merging and it's messed up reality so much that Johnny's soul is like, yeah, sorry, dude, you can't go to heaven right now. So his soul just goes right back down to his body and he just comes back to life and goes back to fighting. Um, and he helps the other Earthrealm warriors fight off Shao Kahn. And what's kind of cool is you'd think like from that point on, it was just their free pass to like do the shocking stunt of killing Johnny Cage, but then just bring him back into the next game. And they did. He did appear in Mortal Kombat 4. But in that game, his story specifically was that he was about to go to heaven. After Mortal Kombat 3 happened, he was like, okay, I'm ready to die. I accept that that's where my fate and what's supposed to happen. And he's going up to heaven, and before he gets there, he looks down on Earthrealm and sees uh, that in the power vacuum of Shao Kahn finally being defeated, a fallen elder god named Shinnok, mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. the Lucifer of the Mortal Kombat universe, is invading from the Nether Realm, which is just another realm, which is basically hell, and trying to conquer Earthrealm. So Johnny's like, ah, shit, well, my friends are in trouble again. I've sort of, like, grown a heart over this story. I care about my friends more than myself now. And he asks Raiden, will you please um, restore me to life just so I can help in this fight? And that was kind of what he, in Mortal Kombat 4, he just, like, selflessly was like, ah, I don't want to, like, move on uh, to the next life. I'm going to come here, I'm going to fight. And he helps... uh, Liu Kang and Sonya and the friends that they'd made in the first few games. What a mensch. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah. He could have been dead and instead he decided to be alive. (laughs) No, I mean, think of the the character transformation from just a full of himself actor. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, maybe he's had the most transformation of anyone. I think he is inarguably... It's it's neck and neck between Johnny Cage and uh, Scorpion Mm -hmm. for who's had the most growth over the course of the story. But it is really cool... Yeah, that like by this point he's genuinely a hero. He started out as a, like, an actual joke character, right? And is their, their their parody joke character? Yeah, uh, became the best of them all. Yeah. Um, so Mortal Kombat Four was very controversial at the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I feel like the old man historian of the of the group, but that's okay because that's a, a role I was born to play. Um, <laughs> If I recall correctly, Mortal Kombat 4 was the first with sort of 3D graphics. 
I think it's successful in sort of making a transition, but I don't remember it being like a great game. Yeah, I don't know how you feel about it. I was a huge fan of it as a kid because I was like, wow, Mortal Kombat's going 3D. Like, I can really fall into these, like... The gameplay, again, was not super important to me because I was not good at any of the Mortal Kombat right, games. Right. He so only for- cares about the story. <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I think it's important to get both perspectives on Oh, no, for sure. I mean, I, I think at this point it's considered objectively a subpar fighting game. You know, for me... One of the less successful gameplay-wise, but I, I do think it, it forwards the story, obviously, as as we're about to learn, in ways that are very significant. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it was cool, too, to see... I really liked the characters that were introduced in terms of who the new villains were. Like, I liked that it was a, a fucking evil god from hell. Yes. And his, mm-hmm. and yes. his demonic sorcerer, uh, who had demon pets and would bring people back to life Quan Chi and Quan Chi um, goes on to be I think one of the like defining characters of the later you know oh yeah yeah it, because at the end of that story Liu Kang in classic Liu Kang fashion defeated Shinnok uh, but Quan Chi and and the rest of Shinnok's forces escaped and Johnny who had been brought back to life uh, was like what do I do oh you know what I'm going to go back to Hollywood. I'm going to make a movie called Mortal Kombat, The Resurrection of Johnny Cage. <laughs> so he did he, that. He um, really just like writes what he knows. He does. He does. And also, who's making him write these movies? <laughs> I guess he's just going into Hollywood meetings and saying, I need someone to write a movie about me dying and come back to life because that's what I did. I, uh, and Hollywood just accepted it. I'm now, trying here's to a question. Personal story. Do, do the people of Hollywood and the general public that are seeing his movies know that these are based on real life? It is it is treated in such a way that they seem to. Yeah. I think I think people <laughs> seem to be cuz at this point everyone knows that the earth was invaded by monsters. That was like hard to I think the first couple of Mortal Kombat tournaments the world at large didn't know. Right. That, One and two are, more, are secret, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. But then when monsters are barging onto the streets and demons, and uh, I think right. Johnny Cage was publicly killed and people knew. I even think in some of his endings in the games, they show like newspaper clippings saying Johnny Cage back to life or something like right. that. Right, right, um, right. No, it's cool when you star in a movie that's like your own story. Like he, yeah. that, that Clint like Eastwood train movie. He's the, <laughs> like, yeah, like, he's the... He's, it's real 15 to 17 to Paris. <laughs> yes. He's the Audie Murphy of the Mortal Kombat <laughs> set. Um, that's a reference for people who are 80 and above. <laughs> uh, if you are 80 and above and listening to this podcast, will you please reach out you to me? You are very cool. Let yes. me know. Reach, reach out. Yeah, you will, you will get to be on the pod. Um... All right, so Johnny goes back to Hollywood. He makes a movie about his own resurrection, um, but he starts to feel bored. He's like, do I want to go back to making movies? I have saved the world multiple times. I am a hero now. This feels like a step back for me. So he leaves set. He goes to find his buddy, Liu Kang. He's like, hey, what can we do? And that's around the time that uh, Quan Chi, who again escaped, and Shang Tsung, who's still out there, team up and form the Deadly Alliance. And with yes, their power the combined, uh, they actually kill Liu Kang and eventually kill Johnny Cage again mm. <laughs> and a slew of Earth's warriors. And that's that's the story of the Deadly Alliance. They show up and they just like decimate. These two guys that were basically like vice bad guy uh, right. for the entire series at large teamed up and killed everyone. Mm. And so with the Earth left defenseless, 
this new guy shows up on the scene, the Dragon King Onaga, mm. who was the emperor of Outworld before Shao Kahn. And a lot of people consider him worse than Shao Kahn. He's literally a giant dragon man who can resurrect the dead at will. So he... So where has he been? He... There's a whole long story. He was killed by Shao Kahn and, like, usurped, and then his spirit was still out there and mm. required a certain number of Kamidogu daggers to be assembled, as well as uh, a dragon egg that, like, reptile preserves and, like, his body. Because There's okay, a whole that, that larger... Makes, that makes sense. It's yeah. kind of like your classic dragon resurrection story. You know, yeah. So, right. They didn't try and reinvent the it's right the, it's, the, it's the dragon uh, monomyth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. yeah I, think we, I think we all understand what yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, so Inaga shows up, and all of Earthrealm's... Defenders have been killed except for Raiden. It's just like Raiden, Quan Chi, and Shang Tsung hanging out. They try to fight Onaga. They fail. Uh, Onaga resurrects Johnny and all of the Earthrealm warriors as his, like, demon uh, revenant army. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, as this conflict is going on, uh, Liu Kang, who had been resurrected by Raiden uh, as, like, a zombie... Um, teams up with this guy, Ermac, uh, who's made up of thousands of souls. So he's like a, a meta-ghost. Mm-hmm. Um, Ermac and Liu Kang, these two like lost souls, uh, team up and, and manage to free all of the Earthrealm heroes from being uh, brain-dead demons and restore them all back to life. Um, so Johnny's back alive. All the good guys are back alive. But um, all of these overpowered beings fighting over all this time, Onaga coming back, the world's been thrown out of balance and into chaos, and uh, Armageddon begins. Mm-hmm. And so the uh, the eighth Mortal Kombat game was kind of about the end of the world when all of the bad guys in the history of the game and all of the good guys in the history of the game meet up uh, in front of this pyramid to have this epic battle of which only one person is going to be able to survive and they will have like a godlike power. And um, that was kind of the end of the initial timeline of mm-hmm. the Mortal Kombat series. The apocalypse really did happen. Uh, Johnny died in that battle, but he did at least live long enough to be like one of the main generals in this battle. Like he mm-hmm. had reached, he descended to such a level of heroism that he was leading an army of like hundreds of people. Um, and at the end of that battle, Johnny got killed. Uh, everyone got killed pretty much except for Raiden and Shao Kahn who were at the top of this pyramid. And Shao Kahn was about to win when Raiden uh, did his, his last move that he had, he sent a message to himself back in time. Uh, it was the only phrase he was able to get out before he was killed by Shao Kahn was, he must win. And he was not able to get any more specific than that. And so sending this message back in time to Raiden circa Mortal Kombat 1 uh, created a new branching timeline. Um, sure. Which, <laughs> naturally. Um, but what's kind of cool about that from Johnny's perspective is... Uh, it created a butterfly effect that ultimately led to Johnny being put front and center in this story um, rather than Liu Kang mm-hmm. being sort of the, the hero that the fate of humanity depended on. So the first few Mortal Kombat games, uh, the, the first couple of Mortal Kombat tournaments happened again, not too different from how they did the first time in this new timeline. Um, a few things changed here and there. Uh, Sub-Zero wound up becoming a cyborg instead of uh, his buddy Smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and Johnny wound up being saved uh, during the invasion of Earthrealm. Uh, instead of getting killed by that centaur, Raiden was like, wait a minute, I just had a flash of knowing what's going to happen. And he flies in and kills the centaur, so Johnny lives. And 
getting this extra time starts an actual love story between Johnny and Sonia. Um, they wind up, you know, starting to connect, but Johnny's still kind of a douchebag. Because Johnny has not had the full character development that he had yeah, in he the didn't past timeline. die of, and then come back to right. life. I think, so I think, he's a little douchier. Yeah, he's a little bit douchier. And um, because of this chain of events, saving Johnny... Um, trying to make different decisions that Raiden is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of Earth's warriors wind up getting killed very early on in the story and somewhat permanently, um, including Princess Katana, who is like the love of Liu Kang's life. And this kind of sends Liu Kang into a rage in which uh, Raiden has no choice but to put him down and kill him. Wow. Um, it was Ra- a huge mistake. Raiden's got a lot of hurt responsibilities you know he's 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 everywhere that raiden you know he's he's all over i have one thought which is onaga the dragon Mm -hmm. uh was perhaps the closest i've ever come to destroying my television and oh fighting that that boss that boss battle yeah was so (laughs) fucking hard in mortal kombat deception in deception yeah 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 and it, to the to the extent that I really question, why do I even play games? <laughs> why do I put myself through this? <laughs> like I I deserve to treat myself better than this. And I've had that thought a few times over my video gaming career, mm-hmm. and luckily I fought through it every time. But it, it, it that was sort of like the the tail end of me being more willing to put in the time on things that were going to send me into like a hysterical rage. Yeah. Like how long, how long would you say you tried beating him? I mean, it just, you know, you do it with different characters, of course, you know, because I'm a completionist. And so I like to do it with the different characters and I like to do it, but you know, Mortal Kombat has always asked something of the people that really wanted to be good at it. And one of the things it's asked is... A pint of blood. A pint of blood. A pound of flesh. A pound of flesh, but also like an incredible ability to memorize. Yeah. There was a point in my life where I had (laughs) all of these things memorized. I could tell you every fatality, every second fatality, every friendship, every baby. I bet if pressed... You could do it right. I now. could do some how, of them. How many like childhood memories do you think were pushed out to make room in your brain for the combos? Dan has all of them. <laughs> I, I, I have a very good memory. Yeah. For certain things. Sure. <laughs> you know the quadratic equation. No. No. Well, but here's the thing: they don't tell you is you don't need it. No, I don't need it. But 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 what has become more relevant to my life uh, is uh, you know Baraka's finisher in Mortal Kombat Two. Yeah, you know, sure. That's a forward, down, forward, low punch. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to raise him up, if you want to raise him up, yeah, yeah. If you want to cut his head off, I'd like to hold block. That's a block back, back, high punch. <laughs> okay, that's for me. Sure, what I like. Sure. Anyway, sure. that's that's just one thought that I had while we were. When going is the last time it. you played that game? Oh, I probably haven't played more combat two in in I don't know ten years at least more maybe. <laughs> so like, you know, I was saying. Johnny, Liu Kang died. A lot of Earth heroes died. Pretty much the only people left were Johnny Cage, Sonya Blade, and Raiden. And so in the, like, last battle against Shao Kahn, and Raiden finally figured out what he must win meant, um, 
it was really up to Johnny and Sonia to step up and help Raiden beat Shao Kahn. And he did. And um, so after the rebooted timeline game came out uh, a few years back, they released MKX, um, which really advanced the story. And Johnny really was like the protagonist of this story. Basically, the game started out with uh, micro- Mortal Kombat 4 happening in like a microcosm mm-hmm. um, with Shao Kahn defeated, Shinnok invades, and without Liu Kang being a part of the story at this point, it's up to Johnny and Sonya to lead the fight uh, against him, and he now has an army of revenant versions of all of Earth's heroes that died, including Liu Kang and Katana and mm-hmm. Jax and all of these heroes, so... Sonia and Johnny have to work together to take Shinnok down. And here's where they added an insane thing to Johnny's story. It's Johnny Cage who's able to kill Shinnok. And the reason this Hollywood movie star is able to kill an, a, a literal god is that Shinnok's about to kill Sonia. And Johnny feels so strongly for her that he jumps in the way to like catch the bullet, essentially. I think it was like a demonic energy blast. And his body starts glowing green, which is something that's always been a thing with his character in the games he would always flash green and do these badass moves but they never had like a magical reasoning behind it it was just the visual representation of him fighting real good Mm -hmm. um but in the game they said what happened was he is actually johnny is actually the descendant of a mediterranean war cult that bred perfect warriors as tribute to the gods Mm. But it descended in the sense of, like, yeah, he's just a movie star from, like, Venice Beach, but, like, his ancestors. Right. Um, so there's this green magic in Johnny's heart that'll come out when someone he loves is and in danger. it's just been dormant for all this time. Yeah, and give him a godlike ability. He like had, the ability he had to not fallen in love yet, and it took yeah. the power of love. It, yep. It, is a, it does raise a question of, like, what are these energy blasts that he's been sending out for all these years? He never like, thought about it. He never thought about it. <laughs> It was the one question that, that, you know, I had always sort of taken it as if you attain a certain level of, like, expertise in in whatever your martial art is, mm-hmm. that there are secret maneuvers yeah. that some of these people have access to. Because Sonya also, similarly, you know, like... She sends a little energy she blast She shoots out. energy blast. You might assume and, that's technology. Well, it's, it's, maybe that's tech for her. But, but for Johnny, you know, like, even from the beginning, Shadow Kick... Uh, was a pretty serious move. Mm-hmm. And and so I actually think it's a great texturing to his character to give a little bit of explanation as to why he's always been, uh, you know, in touch with these powers. And I, I like the idea of a Mediterranean war cult. Yeah. yeah I, I can't help but think of like 300 or something, you know. Like yeah, for sure. I, I called that from the first Mortal Kombat game. <laughs> Yeah, you you had always you had been ahead of. Me. I was eight years old. I just knew. You're like this guy's got serious Mediterranean war cult energy. I was like, this is not just an actor. Yeah, <laughs> he's glowing green. I think my assumption was that it's such a trope in yeah in, in like kung fu fantasy movies that you can reach a level of like you were saying martial arts master where you you can just do superhuman things. Right. You Floridians were so wrong. Mm, yeah. Well, no, we were, you were, you, you know, we, we... Just a couple of Florida men. <laughs> just a couple of Florida men not understanding the intricacies of Johnny Cage. <laughs> Maybe because I grew up in L.A., I was like, that's no normal actor. Yeah. You were like, you, right, you've been like, I've been around actors, and I'll tell you, you what, that's, that doesn't sit right with me. There's something else going on. Something Grecian. Um... Oh yeah, so so Johnny beats Shinnok with his with his god killing Mediterranean war cult powers. Good. 
And Sonia's obviously taken with this. And the story cuts forward 25 years, skips over 25 years of history. Mm. And when we get there, we see that Johnny and Sonia have a daughter now, Cassie Cage, who's a, a combination of Sonia's strength and Johnny's cocky attitude. <laughs> and, uh, you know, this is nice and all, except for the fact that Johnny and Sonia are also separated. Mm. Um, interestingly, it's because Sonia was, Johnny, like, quit making movies. But Sonia was still very dedicated to her career in the military and protecting Earth from Outworld. And so she wasn't around uh, very much. She specifically missed Cassie's first birthday. And so um, that's why Johnny and, and Sonia separate. Like, this is how much of a career or a, a character revamp they've done for Johnny at this point. Like, he's just a good dad, and that's the only thing he's interested in. So he dumped her? He dumped her. Wow. Yeah, they just couldn't hold it together. I mean, I think, you know, she wasn't happy either. And, uh, yeah, it, it just, uh, their, their relationship fell apart, but they still see each other because now 25 years later, instead of being a movie star, Johnny is a part of special forces. He's essentially joined this military unit. And so he and Sonia work together often. And specifically he is mentoring a group of new recruits, uh, which fans have called the combat kids. Right. Um, you would think that maybe whoever is the supervisor would not put you on the same squad as your ex, but... I think it's because his his ex is his supervisor. <laughs> she, so she was like, she was like, I, I trust you, I even if I don't I want him. to uh, be married to you anymore. Got it. They're well, like kind of friendly. It's it's nice actually. They have like a it's, good it's, relationship. It's an amicable divorce. Yeah. Divorce. What were they ever married? They were. Okay. I think so. Yeah. During that time. Yeah. Well, I haven't seen the certificate. But, right. Um. Well, what was kind of nice was that the whole the whole story of Mortal Kombat 10 is all about the Cage family coming back together so like johnny's mentoring his daughter cassie cage she's got her own unit it's her Jax's daughter jackie briggs uh kung jin who is uh luke kang he's the cousin of kung lao who is luke kang's buddy from from mm -hmm. the the shaolin temple K kung lao always seems to have a bad go of it yeah he never he's not a lucky guy not a lucky he's a, guy he's a real uh i want to say second banana i know that's not the phrase <laughs> <laughs> second fiddle uh there's a banana version of that that saying as well right i, I no am i there is no i i <laughs> he's not the top banana third banana he's third the third banana. banana yeah he's the third banana <laughs> he's the bottom banana <laughs> third banana third banana no, um, that's the that's it and Takeda, Takeda Takahashi is the other uh other member of the of the combat kids squad he's the the son of blind kenshi who is a, a sword sword master and a member of the special forces at this time and he was trained by scorpion who in this timeline has been uh resurrected and given his humanity back um no longer a scorpion who bars fire or a skeleton sorry the bars fire i mean you know he he will be eventually though i mean well it, it thinks uh-oh uh, so, <laughs> so johnny is training his his team he believes in his daughter and he says, like, I'm going to send you guys on a mission to Outworld. We're friendly with Outworld now. The new uh, leader of Outworld, Kotal Khan, uh, he's, he's, a, he's a nice leader. So he sends them off to Outworld. And while they're on a mission in Outworld, he and Sonya catch wind that Quan Chi is trying to bring Shinnok back. And so Johnny and Sonya have this nice story where over the course of this mission where they're trying to get to the bottom of, like, you know, they're a lot older now and more mature. They've been through mm -hmm. so much, and they're thrown back together and sort of falling in love again as they have to 
stop Kano, their old enemy from the Black Dragon, from like getting Shinnok's amulet and giving it to Quan Chi. But then Quan Chi gets the amulet and he brings Shinnok back. And um, Johnny has to fight Shinnok again, but Shinnok gets one up on him and holds him prisoner. And it's actually his daughter, Cassie Cage, who has to come and save him. And she manifests her green magic mm-hmm. that was lying dormant in her to save her dad. And then at the end... But is she in love with someone? She just loves her dad. She loves okay. her dad. Are you asking so, if she well, has like an Oedipal... He, he needed the to feel love in order to unlock his yeah. magic. I think it's the love of the other. I think it okay. was love outside of your of yourself. Okay. Selfless love. Selfless. Okay. So not, it's a not classic. romantic love. Yeah. She was willing to die to protect her dad, and that's what brought out her, her, her green, yeah. God-killing, Mediterranean war cold magic. Good. It's a yeah. classic, sir. And that was the end of that, that chapter in Johnny's story. They defeated Shinnok, and the Cage family was reuni- reunited. Johnny and, and Sonia got back together. They had Cassie in their life, and it was it was really sweet. And so I just beat the new Mortal Kombat game, which had the very cool setup of, of timelines essentially colliding. This is where they're, they've taken us down this rebooted timeline. There are things that have gone, obviously, a lot more poorly in this timeline. By the time... Mortal Kombat 10 ended. Liu Kang and Katana were the king and queen of the nether realm. So they were like demonic rulers. Mm. Um, Outworld was in some state of chaos because there was almost a coup. And uh, Shinnok had been defeated, but a lot of Earth's warriors had had been killed and were still revenants down in in the nether realm. Um, So obviously not everything had gone great in this timeline. And so Mortal Kombat 11 starts with this really small vignette in which Sonia and Cassie go on a mission with the special forces. Johnny stays behind. He's not as active at the military anymore at this point. But they go <clears throat> to um, to basically like scope out what's going on in the Nether Realm and see if Liu Kang's up to anything, you know, nasty. And uh, tragically, Sonia winds up sacrificing herself. This is how the game like kicks off, sacrificing herself uh, in order to save Cassie and everyone else because the mission goes horribly awry. Um, Dan, I'm sorry if I'm spoiling uh, Mortal Kombat. No, I was just thinking, you know, like nobody ever gets that happy end, do they? No one, not in not in Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Kombat. Not in no, Mortal Kombat. No that's, one ever. No one gets to have it all. That's not the lives that they've signed up for. No, no. And so you know, Cassie comes back uh, to Earth Realm, and Johnny's like, "Hey, where's Sonya?" And she has to tell him, "Like, Dad, she's dead." And it's it's this horrible moment. Uh, they're crying and mourning, and at that same time uh chronica uh a an elder god i believe of time is frustrated that raiden has messed with the timeline and she decides she's going to um rewrite time she's going to bring warriors from the other timeline who've lost something in hours over to our timeline use them as her forces to hold off the good guys while she rewrites the all of history in in her image and obviously this isn't something that our heroes want, but uh, a byproduct of it is that older Johnny now has to work with younger Johnny, who's a complete prick and has not gone through all of the character growth mm. that old man Johnny's gone through, as well as Sonia, the love of his life that he just lost, but a younger version of Sonia who's never fallen in love with, with Johnny Cage. Mm. He has to work with both of them and his daughter uh, to fight chronica which is so it's that's such good use of their all the growth that they've had with johnny and these two timelines like 
it's like a fun timeline rom-com yeah. martial arts sci-fi fantasy apocalyptic time jumping why didn't avengers endgame do that yeah, you know, it really did feel like they missed an opportunity because there were very similar storylines. <laughs> and uh, while Endgame did, did pre- quite well with uh, a very complex idea, I do think Mortal Kombat 11 took full advantage of the like two decades of storytelling they had. It is interesting that you know a lot of the other characters have been recast as sort of bad guys at a certain point, or they've mm-hmm. fall, you know, they've they've redeemed themselves. And and Johnny, even when he was a more of a prick like he's always he's pretty much from the beginning been a good guy yeah he's it's interesting because he's he's based on a character that is commonly a villain the idea of like the the self-centered yeah self-centered movie star movie star guy yeah but they humanized him from the very beginning and like gave him such a nice story (laughs) so it is interesting that like it seems like even the creators of you know the uh the people still working on Mortal Kombat, like yeah. there's an affection for Johnny Cage. I think I do wonder if I, gosh, am I recalling incorrectly, but I feel like on the original cabinet of Mortal Kombat one, Johnny Cage is on the side. Yeah, he is. So that to me is very telling. That to me is very telling that this guy meant something to these creators from an early point. And that has sort of carried over through all these years later. I mean, it's... Yeah. it's Well, I think it's, you know, he's the the normal human. I mean, even though like we, we eventually yeah. learn that he's got this, you know... Mediterranean war. Mediterranean war power in him. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's he's the, our way in. He's like the wish for... We all could hone our bodies to be able to fight in the Mortal Kombat. As I have. That's right. Yeah. And, and I will say, in terms of happy endings, um, Johnny's story winds up not being as central as others in in the most recent game. Um, he does have to kind of back to the future it and get his younger self to fall in love with young Sonya Blade and vice versa, because it's important him to at least see that relationship be able to exist since he lost the love of his life. Mm-hmm. But the way that the game ends... Um, Basically, time is going to start all over again from scratch moving forward in the Mortal Kombat timeline. Um, Literally, a character who we'll get into in a future episode is now in control of the entire flow of time starting at the Big Bang. So um, it's someone who knows Johnny, and so the next game in theory could either begin i mean it could be in the 1950s it could be in 1000 bc or it could pick up right after the events of mortal kombat 11 it's really just about uh the timeline can be shaped however this character wants it to be shaped so i i am hopeful that we will get to see again in the future an evolved johnny cage continue in his uh story of enlightenment and his Mm -hmm. his his attempt to just find some normalcy you know have a family protect the world there's nothing more relatable than being a van damme-esque action (laughs) star and at the end of the day that's what we're all trying to get back yeah to isn't it and so yeah i think it is and and so hopefully johnny cage you know i'm 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 eager to see where where this story goes so am i and i'm proud of him i'm proud I'm, i'm proud of our boy johnny i'm proud of our boy johnny i think he you know he's been through a lot Ups and downs, mm-hmm. but he's grown. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And uh, I do think that no matter what shape the new timeline takes, he's going to be a big part of it. Oh, man. I felt something when you said that. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be present. He'll be there. He'll be there. So, guys, uh, we've reached the end of Johnny's story, um, but we have one one segment left uh, here on Mortal Podcast, and that is Choose Your Destiny. Mm. Um, I would like you to tell me, were you in the world of Mortal Kombat, what realm would you be from? What abilities would you have? What would you look like? What would your fatality be? Who who would you be were you in the Mortal Kombat universe? Speaking uh, truly from your heart. I would be from the Earth realm. Like like huh. our friend Johnny. Okay. You know, uh, someone who, you know, is coming from that world of Hollywood. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, thinks I think I've seen it all. But then so you are so far describing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and then I, you know, the door is opened uh-huh. to to this bigger picture, this uh-huh. bigger universe. Yeah. Um and so, you know, the the powers I bring with me are are really just my mind and you know, a good attitude. A good, a good attitude. So you would be a normal human man <laughs> from Los Angeles who who finds out that there is yes. a larger world. Yes, I, w- I would like to experience the world of Mortal Kombat as myself. <laughs> um, just try to help out, you know. <laughs> just see. <laughs> hey, does anyone need a water? You guys have been fighting for a long yeah, time, and right. you could be like the the, 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 the team manager, you know, like yeah, the equipment yeah, yeah. manager. Well, I'd just be like, guys, I don't know if you're thinking about this the right way. Like, why are we punching? Oh, um, yeah. You know, we could maybe just talk through some of your issues. You have a beautiful realm of your own that like right. there's so much space there uh maybe you could live your life to to the fullest th- like do you mm-hmm. need to have all the realms yeah nobody needs all the realms it's it is true that no one has tried this approach yeah in any of the mortal any peace of mortal peace mortal <laughs> mortal serenity yeah but that's the thing it's like nobody has thought that the combat is with a k yeah so maybe it's not combat with a C that we've all thought it is. Were you proposing that it is? No, I'm saying everyone thought that they had to participate in combat. With a C. With combat a C. as we classically know You're right. It. Yeah. No one has stopped to be like, why is it a K? What does it mean? Maybe it's a, a different word altogether. Understood. Well, but what are you proposing it, it does mean? Talking. Talk. You can't, you can't have the word talk without a K. He's right. He's right. So I feel like your finisher is definitely a friendship then. Yes. Right. Right. Which yes. is a can in the game. It's yeah, canonical. You can, you you know, can do like, a friendship instead of a, of a fatality and yeah. just shake hands and hang out. Yeah. So that would be your My move? fatality is, yeah, killing with kindness. In a literal sense or? Um, I mean, I, I think certain demons, kindness would kill them. Okay. Cool. That's I I I like that. That's a hard one to follow. I'm picturing Benji, yeah, hugging hugging like Baraka, and Baraka's uh, skin and and blood just pour off of his skeleton, and his body crumples to the ground. I would love that. <laughs> um, well, I would be. I don't. This doesn't exist, but I I assume that it that it could. I would be from Outworld, and I would be like a kind of like a dwarven style, like. Um, smith like a blacksmith or like a like a bladesmith and my character would 
who's called Gilead. Uh, no, my, my character is called Thunderhead Gloamingborn. And Thunderhead uh, travels the realms looking for rare minerals. And rare and rare like essences to mm. imbue in swords and and armors and things of that nature. And so uh, I would enter the tournament in order to like take the like you know like Baraka's blades and some of the you know the the, yeah, the mythical, rare mythical yeah. earth essences. But then, like when you collect those weapons, you make them even better with your. Well, I yes, I make them better. I make legendary weapons, but I, I hoard them. I'm very covetous. Is that like your fighting style? Is that you're like small, fast, small? And, and you use different weapons. Different weapons, yeah. sort of like a shield, like a like a half shield. Mm. Uh, very like a hand axe of some hand kind? axe yeah. throwing axes. Mm-hmm. Uh, very very sort of like like not a lot of speed, but just sort of a rugged dense. dense. Yeah inevitability and you said thunder thunderhead thunderhead so i'm imagining that you have some move in which you like launch yourself forward and just headbutt maybe you've got like a cool helmet i think i would have a cool helmet that i would put on as a fatality sort of like a like a kind of like a ram style so like you could almost see a fatality where i i run at full speed and like knock someone's like organs and rib cage like out of their their yeah. chest you blast through their chest. i blast through their chest that's tight that's a tight mm-hmm. and it's since you're like a collector of weapons you could you could like almost pole vault with like a spear like shao Kahn spear or something yes what you it, used to launch yourself through yeah. yes you could you could you could see a lot of potential for the different weapons of, mm-hmm. of the realms and so that i think i think there's space for for someone like that so that that's what i would be incredible answer all right. Uh, last thing, guys. Um, uh, where can people find you? If, they, if they'd like to find you on the web, if they'd like to keep up. And- My address is... <laughs> <laughs> if, they, if people disagree with some of your moral combat opinions, where can they uh, Usually find you? Usually Paquito Moss. If uh, okay, like, cool, cool, cool. I'm on all platforms, just under my name, Benji Samet. Hell yeah. Okay. You can find me there. Great. <laughs> uh, you could find me... At the movie theater for Detective Pikachu. Coming out... May 10th. And this episode goes up the following Monday. So, so, so by this point, you all have seen it. You've all seen enjoyed it. enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is Dan. You can find me at Cuban Missile DH. C-U-B-A-N-M-I-S-S-I-L-E-D-H on Instagram and Twitter. Mine was much more straightforward. Yeah. But mine sounds cool. It's a less common name. So you get to... Don't you wish that you could just be the Cuban Missile with no DH? I do wish that, but you know what? You can't always get what you want, and maybe my... Sometimes you get what you need. Sometimes you get what you need. Maybe my (laughs) tournament is fighting for just that handle, you know, like... What do you, I, I don't know. It's just a thought. Yeah. Any, any, if, you're, uh, if you're out there regular at Cuban Missile, uh, Dan is ready to fight you IRL. To the death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, what, what did we say my sign-off should be? You guys had some good suggestions. Flawless victory. Fla- flawless. Flawless victory. Flawless victory. <laughs>